Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Man. Y'all go ahead and be seated. Uh, I tell you what, it was great. I got to talk to a lot of you as you're walking in today. And if I didn't get to talk to you, hopefully I'll get to talk to some of you after church. Um, and like I said, this is a different type of service today. Uh, we're in this sermon series. This is your first time with us. We're in our sermon series called Final Words. And what we're looking at is the final, well, what we have been looking at is the final teachings Jesus was giving the disciples before he was crucified before the, the, the torture and the crucifixion. Today, and, and some of those teachings, before I get into today's, some of those teachings were how we're to be servants of one another. Following the example that, that he set. And until the day we die, we're to, to serve one another. We talked about the importance of what it meant to, to abide in Jesus and how apart from him, we can do no good thing. There's really no good act of service we can do for not abiding in Jesus. And then last week, we talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit and how He brings us peace and, and such troubling in times. But today, as we follow these final words of Jesus, it's not a time of instruction. He's not speaking to the disciples at all. He's speaking to His Father. And so we're sort of getting a glimpse of this uh, holy moment before Jesus is getting ready to, to be crucified and, and go through that. He's praying to the Father. I, I don't know if you've ever walked in on somebody praying. I, I'll never forget one time as a kid, I walked into my mom's room and she was, it was early in the morning, she was laying in bed and, and her hands were just lifted up. And her, her mouth wasn't moving, but her hands were just lifted up and she was laying there and and that's just slowly sort of back. I could tell this was a, a holy moment. We're entering through Scripture this holy moment between the Father and the Son. And now what we're seeing is, now you, if you know your life's coming to an end and you're going to spend time in prayer, you're not going to talk about trivial matters. It's going to be about what's most important to you. It's going to be your heart's cry is what it's going to be about. You, you've got time with your father. And now what Jesus is doing is, is sharing to him what's on his heart. So these words are, are not instructive. It's not a sermon. It's his heart cry to the father. So today, instead of a sermon, we're going to spend some time praying together um, and praying for others and following the model that Jesus set here in John 17. And what I'll do is I'll introduce each section with, with words on Jesus' prayer, then I'll instruct us on how we'll pray together. But let me read uh, John 17, beginning in verse 20. And again, this is this moment between the Son and the Father. I'm not praying only for these disciples, talking about the 12, but also for all 
who will ever believe in me through their message. Now, that's a, that's a big statement. Because those disciples after Pentecost, they went out and they preached. And they made disciples, and then those disciples made disciples, and those disciples made disciples. And, and so through time and across con- continents and, and across the oceans, it's our time. And this is a prayer he's praying also for us. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. His heart cry, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, and as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these, these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. So in this scripture, we see these three elements of unity. We see that Jesus is praying for us. 2,000 years ago, he's, he's praying for us. We, we see that Jesus is praying that we'll be one, that we'll be unified. And, and not just Eastridge, but he's praying that his church will be one, that it'll be unified. And then we see this promise that he's going to be with us and within us. So Jesus begins by praying for us. He says, I'm praying for all who will ever believe in me. Modeling the prayer of Jesus, we're going to take time to to pray for one another. Now understand what the suffering that Jesus is getting ready to endure. He's the Son of God. He's the Word of God. He knows what's getting ready to happen. It's already been prophesied, the type of suffering that He's getting ready to endure, but yet He's praying for, for others. He's praying for us. So I know many of us in this room, we have suffered and, or we are suffering. But let's take a moment and let's pray for someone else. You know somebody that's suffering. You know someone that's grieving. You know someone who's, who's um, going through a long time. You may know someone who's lost. And so what we want to do at this moment, just for about two minutes, let's just bow our heads and let's pray for that person.
So Jesus prayed for us, and we just prayed for others. But Jesus also prayed that, that we would be one. Has something ever been so important to you that you repeated it several times? And all the parents and teenagers said, Scott, come on. Um, uh, just a few weeks ago, I put a video on Facebook of my, my nine-year-old son, Cage. He's getting ready to jump off a transformer. And uh, he's standing on the edge of it. Like, and it takes like two minutes for him to build up the courage to jump off of this thing. And um, he kept asking, though. He said, ready? You ready? And then I would reply, I'm ready. You ready? And then he would reply, ready? And I'd reply, I'm ready. You ready? And I bet he asked me a dozen times in two minutes, you ready? But what he was really asking me is, are you watching? See, he repeated it. I knew it was important to him because he kept repeating it and repeating it. Unity is incredibly important to Jesus because we see him repeating it over and over again. In this prayer, three times he mentions this prayer. He knows how important unity is to the mission of the church for the world to come to faith in Jesus. It's going to take a unified church. Jesus prayed in verse 21, I pray that they'll all be one. When I was praying just a minute ago, I asked the Lord something for somebody. I said, Lord, I know that's a bold prayer. Holy cow. Jesus just prayed a bold prayer. I pray that they'll, they'll all be one. Just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and, and I am in you. So they may be one as we are one. May, may they experience such Perfect unity. And we talked about that prayer being a holy moment. This unity Jesus is talking about here and the, this unity that he's asking the Father for, this is a holy unity. This is not something I can just muster up. It's a result, really, of abiding in Christ. Jesus knew this. And maybe this is why he prayed for unity rather than he told the disciples to be unified. He prayed for unity rather than commanding that unity. And there's a lot of talk, you know, about when it comes to unity. And we talk about how to put others before ourselves and set aside our differences and set aside our personal liberties for the sake of the church. And we can talk about disagreeing with each other or we can say, you know, we agree to what? Disagree. We'll just love one another. And man, there's a lot of talk about that. But today, instead of talking about it, let's do like Jesus and, and simply pray together for unity. Now, we're going to do this one a little differently than we normally do here at Easter. I'm going to invite you to stand. And I want us to pray these prayers, these words of this prayer together in unity. And I'll lead us. Almighty Father, whose blessed Son before His passion prayed for His disciples that they might be one as you and He are one. Grant that your church, being bound together in love and obedience to you, may be united in one body by the one Spirit that the world may believe in Him you have sent. Your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let me see.
So Jesus prays for us. And Jesus prays that we would be unified, that we, we would be one. And I'm not just, talk, again, talking about Easter. I'm talking about his church or around the world. But he also promises to be with us, and he promises to be in us. He says in verse 25, Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them. God's love for Jesus will be in Jesus' people. And I will be in them. The final words of Jesus' prayer for unity is a promise to be with us and in us. For the love of the Father, for the Son, to be in the people, to be in his disciples, and not just the 12, but eventually us. That incredible love. And it's that incredible love that would transform our lives. And it's that incredible love that's to be the strongest force in our lives. Remember when you came to faith in Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus? Maybe it was at a camp or a retreat, or maybe it was in a church service. Maybe it was here. Maybe it was suburb recovery. Maybe it was somewhere. Remember that moment? And maybe for a season after that, it was, it was all Jesus. It was a love of Jesus above all things. And, and it was right, and it was perfect. But we've, we've talked about those moments. Well, that's, just a, that's just a mountaintop moment. If you really want to minister somebody, you've got to come down into the valley. And I believe, in, I believe you can minister to people in the valleys, and I believe God uses our pain. But I think maybe another way of describing this moment, at that moment, your heart was full of Jesus. And what happens is we start living life, and we live 2020, and we live 2021, and, and these things on the wall, our political parties, the color of our skin, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Oh my gosh, how'd that get up there? It's profane. Everybody know God loves Clemson, but you got, you got the division of rich and poor, Ford and Chevy, Jesus is Ford man. You got mask, you got no mask. In all seriousness, the Republican, the Democrat, the black, the white, the poor, the rich, the mask, the no mask. We can be so passionate about those things. We can be so passionate about those things that that's what people identify us as. When, when Jesus was so full and he filled our hearts, we live in this world and we allow the things of the world to crowd out Jesus. And we identify more of these groups or other groups, other things that's not even on the wall. And Jesus wants our whole heart. So in just a moment, we're going to ask for forgiveness for these idols that we've made. Out of politics, out of COVID, out of whatever. And yes, you know, I made a joke about sports, but yes, sports. 
And you say, Scott, you said idol. It's really not that bad, but you know what? It's these things that divide us. You got the Son of God praying to his Father that the church would be one. We have the Spirit of God inside of us convicting us of this truth that's in the Word of God. You got the Son of God praying to the Father of God. We see it in the Word of God, and then we have the Spirit of God telling us this is true. And Jesus prays for unity. See, as we pray for 90,000 people to come to faith, the, the, the staff did a, a, you know, asked a question, what would it look like if 90,000 people in Newton County came to faith? And it was like, every church is full and the jails are empty and, and the marriages are restored. You got all these people just following Jesus and, and they're sharing Jesus. It was just, it was an incredible description of what it looked like. But Jesus is praying for the church to be one. I had a conversation with a 25-year-old yesterday and and I said, hey, um, you know, how are you, how are, you, are you back in church yet? He said, you know, church is a funny thing. And I have to be careful being a pastor asking questions like that because they have preconceived notions of what I'm trying to do. And so I, I sort of, I, he said, you know, the church is just so divided. Not that he's talking about Baptist, Methodist, Christian church, disciples of Christ, you know, and so I was pretty naive. And so I brought it up later because I'm, I'm trying not to push it too much. And I said, yeah, you know what? That used to bother me, too, that you'd have a Methodist on one corner, Baptist on another corner, Christian church, Episcopalian. He goes, no, I'm not talking about that. He said, I'm talking about the people in the church. He said, like, this past political season, I just saw so much division and hatred. And he said, and it was just prideful. And he said, there were leaders in the church. And it was like they were so caught up in the mask and the no mask or the politics couldn't be nice to one another. And he said, I know it's important, but I'll just be honest with you, I don't want to go. And so I started thinking, I was, before I even had that conversation this week, I was thinking, if we are praying, I pray every day that we'll reach 90,000 people, the church will, not just East Ridge. I wonder if the lost people Hey, if they can't love one another, can they love me? Because I got a feeling that's what that 25-year-old was telling me yesterday. See, Jesus wants to reach every white, black, Hispanic, Republican, Democrat, mask-wearing, no-mask-wearing person in the world. But you know what also he wants? He wants, Jesus wants his followers to want every Republican, Democrat, Hispanic, white, black, mask-wearing, no-mask-wearing person in the world to come to know him. He just doesn't want it. He wants his church to want it. But we have crowded hearts. Because what happens is, what we identify with most is what people know us most by. And Jesus wants us to be known by Jesus. He wants to crowd our heart. So much so 
that this love that we have for Jesus transforms us and we love each other no matter where we stand on these issues. I'm not saying these issues aren't important. I'm not saying that at all. They just shouldn't identify us and define us. Jesus wants to focus on him and his love and his truth of Scripture and, and obedience to following his word and obedience to being led and following his spirit. And when that happens, these divisive labels, they, they fade away. I'm not saying they're not important the issues, but they fade away. And people only see Christ in us as we love one another who are different than us and think differently than us and look differently than us. Some of you in this room, you felt the division in your heart. Not, not in the room. We're in the South, man, we can hate somebody and be just as sweet as sweet tea to them. We're masters at it. I had people after first service tell me about the bitterness they were having towards other people. Some of you only felt division in your hearts towards other people, but some of you only felt division in your hearts toward God. See, coming to church is not going to save you. See, you can't be united with, with those in this room if we're not first united with God through faith in Jesus Christ. See, earlier in Jesus' prayer, he says this in verse 3, and, and this is the way to have eternal life. This is the way to have salvation. This is the forgiveness of sins. This is eternal life. Jesus says, this is the way to eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. But that's the only way. Jesus later said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me, by, by him, he says. And then in verse 19, it says, I, I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. So if you're in this room and you don't know if you're saved or not, or you know for a fact you're not saved, I just want to address that. Like the, the question is, like, how, do I, how do I do this? See, you need to be made holy by surrendering to Jesus Christ and, and accepting the fact of his holy sacrifice made for you. But the question is how? Well, here, here's where it is. And, and so Christ can unify all of us, but here's what we all had in common before Christ, whether no matter what label we had, no matter what time on the earth or what continent we lived on, we were all sinners. We were unified in the fact that we were all sinners, just sinning differently, but just in sin, period. We had that in common. Everyone has suffered with sin at some point. Me, you, everybody has. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned. There's that word all again. One of the largest three-letter words you're ever going to see. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not, not a single one of us, have, we all fall into that. And there's, and there's good news and bad news about that because it says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. There's an eternal death because of sin. For the wages of sin is death. But the good news is the free gift of God, that holy sacrifice Jesus was talking about in verse 19, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, God showed his love for us, it says, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. I don't know what your sin is. I know mine. 
I know what they were. I know what my struggles are now. But let's, let's, let's list the big ones. Sex slavery. Man, it's happening. It's huge. Or, or, or maybe it's not that big. Maybe, maybe it's sex addiction or, or maybe it's alcoholism or, or, or whatever it may be. Maybe it's abandonment. I don't know what it may be. All I know is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's all I know. While we were steeped in sin, Christ died for us. Why would he do that? Well, you know it for God so loved the world. With all the sin labels we could put on us, God so loved the world. And this is what he did. He gave his one and only son, that holy sacrifice, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So, so what do I do? I, well, I, I believe. Apparently, I need to believe, but it's, it's more than that. In Romans 10, 9, he says, because if you confess with your, with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you, you will be saved. So now it's not just believing in Jesus, but it's also con- confessing. I believe in my heart, but it's also confessing that he's Lord. And I believe that God raised him from the dead. So just believe and, and confess and in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now he's saying, yeah, you believe and you confess, but you also repent. You, you turn from, hey, you know what? I know this is wrong. I, I'm going to quit leaning on this for my joy. I'm going to quit leaning on this for my comfort. I'm going to quit leaning on this. And I'm going to trust in Jesus for my salvation, for the forgiveness of sins. And every time, maybe if I slip, I'm going to go back to Jesus. I'm going to trust in Jesus. I'm going to trust in Him. So you believe and you confess and you repent. So here's what I want to do for you. We're going to have two times of prayer. Maybe you need to settle the issue with Jesus. And make him Lord of your life. And I, I can't make you do that. I can't talk you into that. That's not my role. My role is just to present it to you. So if you do believe that the Holy Spirit, you feel it, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, this is your moment to confess Jesus Christ as Lord because you believe in him. You believe that God raised him from the dead and you're ready to turn from a life of sin to following Jesus. I want you to pray after me. Now, for those of you who have already done this, and you pray for the people in this room that haven't. Father, for those who haven't done this, I just ask and they repeat after me. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I believe you are Lord. I believe that you paid my sin debt. And I am turning now from a life of sin to following you, Jesus. And I want you to fill my heart. Thank you, Jesus, for your holy sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, for the rest of us, can you look at the walls for a second?
Just look at them. There's Republican, Democrat, white, black, uh, rich, poor, mask, no mask. If you're able, would you get on your knees with me? If you're able at this moment. I mentioned that we've allowed these things to become idols and crowd our hearts. Just for a few moments, can we just silently pray for God's forgiveness of trusting in these things or identifying with these things, allowing these things to crowd our heart, for making them idols? Let's ask for forgiveness and let His love his person, his spirit, fill us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for the holy sacrifice. Thank you for the gift of conviction and repentance. And yes, Jesus, fill our hearts with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You sit back in your seats. And here's what I want to invite you to do. We're going to take communion in just a moment. So you can go ahead and um, prepare your, your communion. But also, too, I want you to think about this. What used to unite us in a strange sense was sin. We all had just sinned differently. It was the one thing we had in common. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we're able to come around this table in, in unity. And so um, the, the band's going to sing a song and lead us in worship. And so I just want you to prepare your hearts for this time we're going to have. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Praise forever to the King of Kings. In verse 19 of chapter 20, Jesus referred to himself as the holy sacrifice. So we talked about a holy moment when, when we get a glimpse of Jesus praying to the Father. But he gave a holy sacrifice so that you and I could be made right with God, so that we could be called children of God, according to John chapter 1. Talking about unity today and, and focusing on this prayer of unity, we're getting ready to, to recognize this holy sacrifice. But Paul warns in us we should examine our hearts before we take this. 
there may be somebody you're at odds with in the sense that you need to forgive them. And so my challenge to you is, like Jesus prayed, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I want to give you a moment just to pray to the Father and say, Father, I forgive whoever it may be. And you might have to do it again tomorrow and the next day. Begin that process. Examine your heart. Or you don't need to take communion at all today because after church you need to make a phone call or you need to go see somebody and you need to ask them to forgive you. So let's just examine our hearts for a moment. And if you need to pray, just just pray. Jesus said that this, this bread would represent his body, the holy sacrifice, that part of the holy sacrifice given to us. Holy sacrifice. And he said, take this in remembrance of me. And then he says this choose which represents his blood, also represents this new covenant between man and God. He said, whenever you take this, do this in remembrance of me, of that holy sacrifice. Father, we are, you have done for us what we can never do for ourselves. Father, we can never make ourselves right with you, but Father, while we were steeped in sin, while that was our, our primary label, you gave the holy sacrifice in Christ Jesus that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And Father, not only that, you, he has promised to be in us and, and with us. And Father, the, the gift just gets better. It's not just that we're right with you, but now we, we have the love of the Father inside of us and the Son inside of us and the Spirit inside of us. And, then, and, then, and all of that is... Unbelievable, and yet we have also the Word of God to lead us, to grow us, to give us life, to equip us, to empower us. So yes, that holy sacrifice, there's not been one like it, and there never will be again. And Father, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. The things on the wall, man, they, they, they only divide us. They, they, they only divide us. But listen, it is Jesus that unites us. So listen, one of the greatest results of our unity is not that we're going to feel good about it or, or we're going to get along better or have nice feelings about each other. No, the greatest result of our unity is for the world to know Jesus. That, that is first and foremost. There was a, a challenge and a mission, a, a commandment given to disciples to go into the world, make disciples of all nations. We're to be known for Jesus, our unity will display Jesus. Jesus prayed in verse 21, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and listen to this great truth and that you love them as much as you love me.
Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you, we love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.